and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. And I'm going I'm to give us a 30,000 foot view of where I believe the Lord is taking us as a community. And one of the things we're going to be doing in the next season is I believe we're going to be giving you tools for your tool belt things that you can pull from as you're following the Lord and as you're engaging. We've really bought in on the Levitical community thing, right? We've been talking about God has, God has created us to be a Levitical community that ministers first and foremost to his heart. And what you find as we minister to the heart of the Lord is there are certain things you just can't do. There are certain things you can't take with you. You have to walk in obedience because it's primarily a yes to him. And when you connect that yes to his heart, what you find is his heart beats for people. So you go into prisons, you go to the streets, you pray for the sick, you, 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 you start discipling people because you realize that's what it takes. People, people are not saved unto your prayer, they're saved unto a person. And that person is trying to encounter hearts of the people all around you every single day. So I want to give us a 30,000 foot view really quickly. And the premise of what I want to talk to you today is I believe that this whole thing that we're doing, the reason we're gathering, the reason we have said yes to Jesus... There's a narrative throughout the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation where, where, where the pivotal thing that we have to understand is God wants to dwell with us. Like, I want you to understand He wants to dwell with you. Pastor Talis came up and he shared, he said, that you, some, many of you have this view of God as dictator. It's because Jesus is, you've, you've known Jesus as teacher, but you don't know Him as Lord. And the Bible says that we are to, know, listen, when you know the truth, the truth will set you what? But knowing doesn't happen here, it happens here. Knowing here is really great, man, and, and, and it's good for you. We, we have no problem with wisdom. The Bible says that for us to pray for wisdom, but when wisdom, when, when wisdom goes from here to here, life change happens. You begin to properly ascribe value to the things that Jesus cares about, and you begin to say no to the things that aren't valuable to him, and it's not hard. Because your whole life is yielded to him. And so I want you to understand this whole thing. Why, why did God call us as a Levitical community? Why do we talk so much about ministering to him? Why do, we, why do we put so much emphasis on his presence? And his presence being at the center of, of what we do as a community. But also in our lives. In our homes. It's because this is what he established. Many of us, like we, we talk about this a lot, right? In the Garden of Eden, God created, and he created, and he spoke, and then he created man. And we've talked about this. He created man because he wanted to dwell with man. There was something, there was a longing, a desire. We see it in John 17. Father, I desire. There's a desire in the heart of the Father, and Jesus only prayed according to the Father's will. So you can know that as Jesus prays, when we read in John 17, Father, I desire that they would be one as you and I are one. He's praying the words of God. That he's trying to bring us into this communion with one another. He's trying to dwell in the midst of us. And this, is, this isn't some metaphorical, far off, I don't know. It's, it's a real tangible thing. We're going to unpack this. But I believe that as, as a community, as, as the body of Christ, if we get this right, we will see everything we've been praying for begin to manifest in our region. In the very beginning, we, we said, we, we, we saw God create. And he created a place called Eden. And he created man out of Eden. And we talk a lot about the garden, but the reality is that the garden was a part of Eden. Eden wasn't just a garden. 
It was a part of that which God had established. And he put two trees. You know the story. But what I want you to understand is if you don't understand the narrative and what God created, if you heard of the law of first mention, the law of first mention says this. The first time something is mentioned, it is establishing the premise for that thing. So, so the first time, if we're talking about a dwelling place, I need you to understand that the Garden of Eden wasn't about God putting man in a place to, to cultivate the ground. That's a part of it. It wasn't about just having dominion over animals. This is why we get into the works. It was about God creating a sanctuary, a dwelling place. And from that place of communion with the Father, they were to have dominion, power, glory. It was all available to them. It wasn't God put a man in a garden to like be a potato farmer. You understand this? The role of Adam was first to be priest. That was, and I need you to understand because it's the first time. The first tabernacle, temple, dwelling place of the Lord was not Moses' tabernacle. It was in the garden, it was in Eden that God had established this flow that we are to live from. And the whole biblical narrative the, the creation, the redemption, the, the day of the Lord, all of it is threaded through this one thing. God wants to dwell with you. Yes. He wants to be in the midst of your life. He wants to walk with you, talk with you, speak through you. He wants to use you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. And he wants you to be activated. It's more than just coming to church. We say this every week. It's more than just coming to church. It's allowing God to use you in your function, in your grace, in your gift. And in this place, you will find life. You could have a million dollars in your bank account and still be dead. You could still be miserable. All the list of things that you think that you need to accomplish and then you'll feel fulfilled, lies. There's a hole in your heart that can only be filled by the love of Jesus. And so before you go do any of the works you heard Anora say, before you do any of it, you need to realize that we are a broken people that need to repent. Yeah. And we need to understand that God loves us and we need to receive his love. Yeah. And that love should motivate us unto something. I wasn't even my intro. <laughs> I just came back from 50 hours of prayer and worship. I'm like, oh. You know what it does to sit 50 hours in a room and not say anything? It's like, man, for a preacher, you know, you know, it's like there's so much. But listen, that's why this is going on. Why, why, do, why are people buying tents to set it up in random cities for 50 hours of prayer and worship? It's because God is recapturing us to his heart. And in the midst of the tent, they're sending out people. They're sending out people to outreach into the city and people are getting healed. There were over 150 baptisms. Like people just coming off of the streets, getting baptized, and meeting the Lord in the waters. Not, not we dunk them and then we all celebrate. Oh, the cool picture. Life transformation. Life transformation. Because God is reestablishing order within his bride where we make it first and foremost about him. A lot of people think that, 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 that this is about, some people equate being first and foremost about him doing his work. That's, that's good. We want to do the work of the Lord. We are called to be his disciples, and Jesus was about business. But what I need you to understand is Jesus learned to live in unbroken communion with the Father. We miss this. 
We're not called to abide because it's some trendy thing that nobody else was called. It's because we want to constantly be reminded in the midst of all that God is doing and he's, and he, and he's, and he's building and, he's, and all, in the midst of all of it, the source, the life source of this is are we communing with him? So we've established from the very beginning, what was God trying to do? He was trying to establish a dwelling place. And you know the story. Adam sinned and sin came in and it created separation. And so the whole narrative now was about God restoring this priestly call to each one of you. It wasn't just about getting you out of hell. I need you to hear me. It wasn't just about getting you out of hell. It was being restored to God's original design. Hell was never designed for you. The greatest tragedy of being apart from, 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 from God is not hell, it's being apart from God. Yeah. We're not saved, we, we are not saved because we are so aware of our, of, of our faults and our inadequacies. We are saved because we are aware of his invitation, of his goodness, of his mercy. And so I'm, I, I'm, it's not about saying, we say this all the time, it's not so much about me saying no to every opportunity that the devil throws at me. It's about protecting my yes for him. So you see through the whole Bible, Adam, Eve, in the garden, unbroken communion. You understand that in this time, you, it, the garden wasn't just a little four by six square box. We think of a garden, we think about like a tomato plant. This, this thing that God had created was amazing. And it was huge. And in the times, what would happen was there would be, I think in the Old Testament narrative we see better, where a king would set up a palace. Where, where from that palace, that was home. He would live in this place, reign. This is where he would rest. And in, in, in the times of kings, the, the, the garden would be attached to the palace. It was an extension of the dwelling place of the Lord. And we see, even in Exodus, we see with God's people, Exodus 19, what is he doing after the people are delivered? He gives Abraham a promise, your descendants will be many, and you see this narrative, 400 years go by, they're delivered, and now they find themselves in this place, and God speaks to Moses, and he says, I want to reestablish the priesthood. Yeah. Oh, I want to read it to you. Is this too much for... No, no. I'm trying to help you. Exodus 19, 6 through 8, this is what it says. And you shall be to me, that's to the Lord, gets a capital M. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. What is he doing? He's releasing identity to them. He didn't say you will be a nation of, of Christians. You will be to me, to me. Not, it doesn't even say to the people. I need you to understand. He's identifying the priesthood is for me. You will be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So he's speaking to Moses. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words and all that the Lord has spoken. And then they said this. The people answered and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought, brought back the words. So, so the initial response of the people to the, to the priestly call was they were saying, we're going to do this. But then something happened. The glory of God came. There was a voice that came from within the cloud and fear came. I believe this happens a lot in communities. I believe we begin to ask the Lord, God, bring revival. God, move among your people. God, do this. God, do that. Whatever you're believing for. And God comes in a form or fashion that makes us uncomfortable. 
And then the response is the same of that of the people in Exodus 20. No, no, no. We'll stay here. You go. I'm telling you, this is the fundamental problem of the church. We talk about this all the time. This one person with a pulpit, with a mic, who they're supposed to receive everything from God for you. And what's happening is we have reduced Christianity to receiving from one person instead of ministering to God and receiving directly from Him. Unbroken communion. We're going to, listen, we're going to give you, we're going to talk about this. We're going to unpack it. I know some of you are like, how we, how do, well, I don't know how to do that. Uh, we're going we're to unpack it. And I'm not really great at that, so other people are going to do it. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm living up here. But other people are like, how do you do it? I don't know. I just do it. I just, but I'm telling you, there, there is relationship with Jesus that is available beyond this two-hour window on a Sunday morning. I'm telling you that you don't have to have Covey, Desi, or Levites lead you in, that, that there is something available for you. I've been there. We've been in living rooms where nobody can sing. It's not a joyful noise. And yet, and yet in the midst of that space, he comes. He's drawn. And he moves. Why? Because he longs to be found. Some of you really believe that we serve this far off, distant God. He says, ask and you will be given. Knock, the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Either it's true or it's not. That verse was not written. Matthew 7 was not written to pastors. Jesus was standing on a mount and he was speaking to regular people. Broken. They didn't understand. They were a mess. And yet from this place, he's giving them this promise. When you ask, you will receive. When you seek, he wants to be found. Do you believe that? You think, listen, he wants to be found. And I think that there's something available for you beyond the, the, your bedroom. When you close that door and you make a sacred space, there's something greater available for you there than here. When I, when I go to my back office, when the Lord comes, he doesn't go, hey, Pastor Gio. He just calls me Gio. And he talks to me as a son. And we receive from him. And from this place, we find life. So, so Exodus 19, he's reestablished. He's trying to reestablish. And when I read this, I, I often wonder. We have, to, we have to ask ourselves, what would have happened if the people would have engaged the Lord? What would it have looked like if they just would have gone a little bit beyond discomfort, a little bit beyond, I don't know, that's scary. I don't know what that's going to look like. And the real problem with the people of Israel was they had, they could not believe that God would really receive them. Orphan spirit. You understand the problem of an orphan is not that he, he's not loved. It's he doesn't believe he can be loved. We were there. We lived in Africa and we were among them and they were loved, but, but, the, the fundamental lie of that spirit, which it is a spirit, is you are not worthy of love. And when you believe you are not worthy of love, you will not allow people to love you, even the Lord. And your affirmation from God cannot come through me. There's a lot of things I could do for you, a lot of things we can teach, we could create an atmosphere, we can create a table, but I can't force you to eat. I can't force you to allow God into those places in your heart. Being a priest is not even understanding the whole Bible. 
It's being available, being open, contrite, poor in spirit. It's, it's like, hey, I don't know everything. God, can you help me? I love it all, but it's even moving beyond. What did Bill Johnson say? It's moving beyond. I, I love all of it. But it's this next level where we are allowing God to lead us, where he is becoming the good. You're not ready. Well, what time is it? Where he is becoming the good shepherd again. I'm not, the, I'm not the shepherd. It's not my church. You're not my people. You're his. And when we move out of the way and we allow God to be God, he manifests himself. He begins to dwell. And in that place, the Bible is clear. In his presence, no glory. There will be no flesh that will be able to glory in his presence. So don't be upset when we create a table and God comes and you begin to feel uncomfortable about your complacencies. Because as a leadership, we sat in that back room at 10 o'clock and we said, Lord, start with us. Start with us. Cut anything out that is causing us to not be able to realize. Because it's not a matter of whether God is here or not. Let's make it clear. His promise is where two or three gather in his name, all I need is me, my wife, and one more. The issue is not whether did he come. The issue is awareness. It is acknowledgement. God, you are here, and now how can I respond to you being here? <laughs> so he built this sanctuary, these, and you see it throughout. He talks to Moses. Right? And he says, build me a tabernacle. Even in the midst, I need you to see this. Even in the midst of the rejection of the call up, he still says, no, I'm still going to choose them. He gives Moses a blueprint for a tabernacle. And, and it wasn't God's design to create separation. It was according to the decision of the people. Their decision created the outer courts, inner courts, holy place, and holy of holy. It was them. It was not God. You got to understand this. Because if you don't understand this, you will begin to believe that there are certain layers you got to get through to access God. Yeah. So, so still in the midst of the rejection, God creates a dwelling place and then he chooses the Levites. And the Levites are to stand between God and the people and minister to God and minister to people from that place. And then we move beyond the tabernacle of Moses. We talked about the tabernacle of David. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. I'm, I'm flying. I'm going through the whole thing. He built a tent, but he doesn't build it according to the pattern of Moses because there was something that he accessed through intimacy that showed him there doesn't need to be a separation between the people and his presence. The only blueprint that was ever given for creating a dwelling place for God was there had to be an outer court, an inner court, a holy place, and a holy of holies. And only one person would be able to access the holy of holies. One time a year. But something happened through the life of David. I believe it didn't happen when he became king. I believe it was when he was a 14-year-old boy with a harp in the field. That he realized, wait a second, I don't have to access God through man. There's something available. So he creates a tent. He sacrifices. And there was one last sacrifice as the presence of God entered this tent. And for 33 years, they ministered unto the Lord. And what you would see throughout the biblical narrative is every time the nations got in disarray, the kings realized we must establish David's tent again. 
And every time David's tent was reestablished, it brought order, it brought prosperity, it brought blessing to the nation of Israel. I need you to see this. Because some of you are like, I just don't know what I'm called to do. You're called to live in communion with him. I just don't know what fivefold gift I am. Don't worry about none of it until you learn how to commune with him. Don't worry about it. Just allow yourself to connect. So he creates David's tent. Solomon's temple comes and it's a hybrid, right? It has a little bit of Moses, a little bit of David. The glory of God comes and then there's promise. Zerubbabel builds another one. But, but, but what am I saying? All throughout the Bible, if you really pay attention to what's going on, God is looking for a place to land. He's looking for a people that would be willing to host him, that would be willing to live without compromise, that would be willing to make the main thing the main thing. Because really, it's, he's the only person that could do this. Yeah. Only Jesus could say, listen, the best thing for you is me. Hello. Could you imagine if I walked up to you? Hey, Albert. I'm going to tell you, bro, if you make your life about me, it's going to be awesome for you. <laughs> He's the only one. He's the only, and it's not narcissism. It's the truth. He's the only one that can say, the best thing for you is me, and it's truth. <laughs> that's, why, that's why up in heaven, what's happening, there's 24 elders, and they're casting their crowns. I was challenged to, to read through this as I was praying, and I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm not a very um, visual person, like, but, but I just imagine them casting their crowns, and it's a continual thing. Like, how can someone, how can someone that, ca think about this, if I cast my hat, I casted it, and one day, my hair looks busted, let me stop. <laughs> it was a late night. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. It's family. The only, and it hit me one day, the only way that they continually cast their crowns must mean that Jesus picks it up and he goes back and he's like, do it again. You understanding? You're like, well, what about, what about the New Testament? Well, the New Testament's the, the, the greater portion. Because in the New Testament, you become, you, you become the dwelling place of God. I'm going to read to you some scriptures. So you're like, he's a heretic. He just talks a lot. Been talking scriptures the whole time. Let me read to you Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2.19 says this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, don't care what you think, that's what it says, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, we're all being fitted together, it grows into what? It grows into a holy temple, not in Lithia, doesn't give you a geographical location. We are being built together into a holy temple in the Lord, in him. In him, in whom you also are being built together for what? For a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Are you seeing it already? So God creates a garden. He creates, he creates Eden. Puts a garden. He says, I want to be with them. 
and then sin comes in and it creates separation and you got through the whole book, through, through the whole book, you, you got to hear God saying, I just want to be with them. I just want to be with them. I just want to be with them. Some of you have issue with that because you don't believe that. You feel that? So when you don't believe that, you begin to say, no, 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 Gio, you go. And this is where we've lived the last hundreds of years in Christianity. No, 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 you go. And you tell me. Anybody ever play the game where you begin to whisper in the person's ear? One person has the original message, they whisper in the next person's ear, and by the time it gets to, like, person number five, it's not even the same message. I was just talking to John in the back, and he was saying, I was like, how's it going? He's like, both good and bad. He's like, I realized I've been preaching a gospel, and it was a false gospel. <laughs> All the way to Bolivia for that. That's what happens when we, we discontinue being priests unto God. And instead of abiding in the vine, we abide at the church. And we create that our main life. Listen, I want you to be a part of the community. I believe that I'm going to read to you a scripture that it, it is good for you to dwell in the house of the Lord together in family, but it is not to be your life source. Let me read to you another scripture. I want to read 2 Peter chapter, chapter 2. Coming to him, coming to who? Are y'all asleep? Coming to who? Coming to him. Jesus, capital H. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, that's you, say me. me. You also, as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. You, you are being built up a spiritual house. A what? Is it back here? Help me out, man, in the back. Please help me out. Yes, you. Help me. Second Peter 2. I need you to see it. This is important because I need you to see it. it goes all the way through. It goes all the way through. In Jesus' name. First Peter 2. Somebody go lay hands. Hey! No, that's not it. Got, I got prematurely excited. Let's, let's go to First Peter 2, 4. I'm going to wait for this. 1 Peter 2, 4, is it there? <laughs> I'm so proud of you, bro. I'm so proud of you. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are, you are what? You. This is the Bible. You are his holy priest through the meditation, through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. That's why we no longer have bulls and goats. Because we come, we come and we are, we are the sac our lives, our praise. It talks about our praise, our spiritual songs. They become an aroma unto him. It becomes a sacrifice. That's why worship is so important. Some of us want to worship 20 minutes. Want to move on to the next thing. That is the thing. It is the thing that changes us. So what I want you to see is he goes from Moses 
to David to Solomon, and it goes through the whole, and then Jesus comes, and his blood covers us, and he says, no, 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 now the Holy Spirit's going to dwell in you. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit doesn't like shared spaces. It's not communal living. I love you so much, but he's not going to dwell in the same place as pornography. He's not going to dwell in the same place as hatred, bitterness. His job, once he comes in, is he's like, boom. Immediate. It's like, it's got to go. It will not dwell in the same place. And so we struggle with this tension of feeling connection because we're allowing things in our lives to remain that have been evicted. For some of it, some of it is going to go today. <laughs> uh, let me land this plane. So we started, we started in, in Genesis. God created Eden. He established what it looks like. He created not, a, not just a garden, a sanctuary, a dwelling place for the Lord, for him to commune with man. And then you got it all the way to the end of the book, the book of Revelation, which none of us like to read. Revelations 1.6 says this, 1.6, this, this is John the Revelator seeing forward, right? He's seeing, he's, he's, revelation means he's, he's seeing foresight. It's, it's a revelation. He's, re, he's realizing something that wasn't previously revealed. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And then in Revelation 21, which is almost the end of the book, he goes through everything that's going to happen, all of these things, he, he foretells it. And then he says this, Revelation 21, 1 through 4, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So I need you to understand, what is happening here? What is, ha what is happening here? He is reestablishing at the end what he had established in the beginning. It's all unto this. He is restoring order. He will come and the Jerusalem will reign here. It will reign here in Jerusalem. He's coming. <laughs> Help us, Lord. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw a, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is you. We were singing about this. <laughs> the Lord is preparing us. We are, we are to be preparing for his coming. And I heard a loud voice. It wasn't a, it wasn't a whisper. I want you to see this. It was loud. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will do, he will what? He will dwell. He will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will what? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is the end of the book. What is he doing? He's saying, hey, that very thing I tried to do in the beginning of the whole thing, I'm going to do it again. Why? Because he wants to be with you. It's not, it's not complicated. He just wants to be with you. You're like, to do what? Who cares? <laughs> I love my wife. There are some days we wake up on, we, on Monday's our day off. Don't call me. Just kidding. You can call me. 
I won't pick up them. Um, some Mondays I just wake up, we have no idea what we're gonna do. We don't know what we're gonna do. You know what? It doesn't matter because they just wanna be with her. I'm trying to get brownie points. Come on. But it's the truth, right? When you love someone, it really just doesn't matter. Where you wanna go? I don't care. Just, just go. And some of us, we're trying to figure out, it's like we don't want to go because we don't know where we're going. It's because we're missing this one component, love. Let me just make something clear. This love, it's, it's initiated by him. The Bible is very clear. I didn't choose him. He chose me. What does that mean? He was the initiator. <laughs> it should wreck your whole life. In your lowest moment, he knew. Your lowest, low, I was a drug addict, pornography addicted, angry kid. Angry, bitter. And, and he looked at that and he says, I want that. I want that. And then I try to like fix my, let me fix myself. Before, I, and it's like, no, 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 you come now. And like Anora, you, you meet the Lord, you meet the Lord through repentance. And when, he, when it actually, how do you know when it actually happens? You will know. She found out five minutes later, whoa, there's something different. The reality is sometimes we drive by a tree and we don't know because the tree can look alive on the outside, but it's dead on the inside. But there's one thing that's always a giver. Is it producing fruit or not? <laughs> I love you guys so much. Let's stand. Let's, let's stand. Covey, can you help me, bro? We're not in a hurry, right? I want to pray for a moment, and I want us to just corporately just wait on the Lord. You can help me too, baby, please. Can we just corporately wait? Because for, for where we're going, there needs, to be, there needs to be a repositioning. I just gave you a really broad, I mean, we walked from Genesis to Revelation really quickly, trying to show you a narrative. Daniel would probably unpack it in 57 weeks or something. He's a great teacher. But what I want to do over the next few weeks is I want, I want to start giving you tools to be able to live this out. But you'll never live it out until you make a decision and you understand what God's original intent was. That this whole thing is not about doing for him, it's about being with him. You will do for him. You will. But it's because you're with him. So let's just close our eyes for just a moment. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to begin to move. You've been moving this whole time. But I ask that you would begin to just touch, touch spirits, stir hearts right now, Lord. Father, we want to go back to what you established. We don't want to go through the motions. 
We don't want to get caught up in the religious game. It's a game. It's a game. God wants to bring you into a covenant family. And he wants to activate you as a priest. So for some of us in this room today may look like I need to repent. I need to turn from some things in my life that are stopping me from stepping into the priesthood. Can't have both. And he's worthy. Some of us, we've been discouraged. You're trying to figure out life. Life flows from this. Start here. Start now. You're frustrated. You don't, you're not sleeping. I just feel it. You're not sleeping. Relationally, it's causing issues, and it's because God's trying to grab a hold of your life. It's really mercy. How merciful is God that he refuses to leave us alone because he wants to be with us that bad? Can we just think who is like the Lord for just a moment? Let's just, who is like the Lord?